Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. You can follow us on X at the Lines US. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. You can follow Mo at monoir 2 ws Breaking down our best bets for the divisional round. All four games typically coined as the best football weekend of the season. And I know there's a little bit of distaste, Mo, towards these four games, but I cannot wait. And I probably have a little bit of more interest in the more underrated game of the four Bucks Lions than most. Is there distaste? Who are these people? People that don't think the matchups outside of Bill's Chiefs are any good. I mean, so there's always going to be seven to 10 point favorites pretty much with the one seeds. I mean, this is totally normal. So hopefully that's not turning anybody off, but these are still quality teams and these should all be at worst teams that we're going to be seeing in the playoffs making runs in the future. So, you know, it's nice to start building uh, their careers and their narratives now, you know, I'm excited for CJ Stroud and, and Jordan love to be playing in big games, even if they're huge underdogs. Glass half full approach, as always. Anytime you need positive advice, you're not looking for anyone to throw down on your parade, you go to Monoara. That's for sure. Tweet him any life advice questions you have at Monoara, two W's on X. But Mo, people also should probably be coming to us for our bets. 42 and 26 this season on Beat the Closing number one and two in the wild card round with our best bets. I've been pretty much pushing even the last couple of weeks, so hopefully going to have a plus week with my two main bets. And then I have a couple potential player props, Binkles, that I'll get to later on in the show. But if you want to tail or fade our bets, you could do so with the BetMGM promo code. The lines, one word, to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. So keep in mind, you have to be a first-time customer with BetMGM Sportsbook to use the promo code. After our breakdowns, these four games... We'll talk with Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. He has a bunch of props to get to, so can't wait to hear from Brad. First time he'll be joining us. First time caller, longtime listener, essentially. But Mo, off the bat, hypothetical odds. You're not going to any of these divisional round games, so I can't question whether you'll be in the stands for any of them. But Jeff Sherman from the Westgate, Westgate Superbook out in Las Vegas, sent me some hypothetical odds for whether the Cowboys will win a Super Bowl in the Mike McCarthy era. And I think we could already confidently say that the Cowboys have been eliminated from the 2025 wildcard round after bringing back Mike McCarthy on Tuesday night. Keep in mind, Jerry Jones, 81 years young. So hypothetical odds for whether the Cowboys win a Super Bowl while Jerry Jones is still around. Maybe a little bit sickening, but that's kind of show we are. Yes, plus 400. No, minus 500. Which side would you bet? Probably the no. Um, You're going to lay it? Seems like they're pretty tied to Prescott. I'm not a Prescott fan, so not uh, really a believer that he's going to win big games. And I think that's pretty much the long and short of it, honestly. Uh, Not the best crop of young quarterbacks, I would say, in the NFC right now, but maybe that changes. Uh, Seems like most of the... Talented players are in the AFC, so that helps them. But uh end of the day, even if they got there, they're going to still have to go through one of these very strong teams. Jerry Jones probably should have given up. His, maybe this isn't even the right era for Bill Belichick. There's that counterpoint, too. But I, after thinking about it the last couple of days, and hindsight is twenty twenty for sure, but I really wasn't surprised 
it, with the aftermath of the Cowboys coaching search, just because Jones would have to give up GM-ish responsibilities to Belichick, which he certainly doesn't want to do. And then McCarthy, he didn't really talk down about McCarthy in the latter part of the season, which we've seen in years past. Now, Jason Garrett is a completely different variable than McCarthy just per success in the NFL. But thinking back on it, it wasn't that big of a shock just because of how Jones approached the coaching search, even leading up to the wild card round. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say there. I just kind of assumed he was going to be out, like a lot of people, I think. So <laughs> a little bit surprised, but I don't know if it matters that much, if I'm being honest. I know McCarthy didn't do a great job in, in playoffs and has a history of poor game management in those spots. <clears throat> he did do a good job in the regular season, but like I said, I just am not a Dak Prescott fan. I don't think they're going to be able to win big with him. So uh, until something changes in that sense, I just wouldn't really think the coach is going to be able to do anything. Well, our viewers and listeners have been on the opposite end of your glass half full approach, glass half empty with the Baltimore Ravens coaching staff in terms of how they've handled game management with some of their close losses and blown leads over the last couple of years. But and going back to 2019, they didn't blow any lead against Tennessee, but failing to not only cover, but advance past the divisional round with that Titans outright upset before losing to your Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC title game. Ravens hosting a divisional round game for the first time since then. Nine and a half point home favorites. This line has shifted up since first half money and full game money is coming on Baltimore over the last couple of days. So Houston around a touchdown or two possession dog. But interest has maybe gone in the Ravens direction of late total of 43 and a half down from 45 and a half where I bet it at a couple days ago with the weather concerns, 15 to 20 mile power winds. You're looking at a wind chill of about four degrees. So keep that in mind. But this is a rematch of the week one Ravens double digit win. I'm not taking too much away from that with just because that was CJ Stroud's NFL debut. And I'm sure some of our listeners and viewers will be interested in backing Houston just because teams off a bye in the divisional round. If you're a trends fan, we are not just putting that out there. 32 and 41 and one. That's a 43.8% clip against the number since 03 with teams off the bye. Ravens definitely fit that narrative, but to me, it's more so of a narrative. But like I mentioned, I'm taking the approach with a total bet the under. I would still bet it at 44 if you can find one. I think there are some, maybe a lone 44 on the board, just depending on where you're shopping. So whether you can grab that pregame or in-game, I would try to get under 44 or better. Stroud may end up backdooring this point spread, but I do expect him to struggle in the conditions. Houston averaging 3.9 points per game, fewer on the road this season. And you look at his turnover-worthy play rate going back to that Week 12 loss at the Jets, which correlates with Houston's poor performances on the road. 12.9% turnover-worthy play rate in that game. He got concussed late, but struggled throughout. And the Texans put up their season-low scoring output, I think around six points. So, like I mentioned, wins should be very strong at m Bank Stadium. And Baltimore, even though you've taken some shots at their defense, per their strength of schedule this season, have an elite pass defense, especially in 
zone coverage. Now, I know Stroud has dissected zone defenses this year, but pretty stout against man too. Bottom 10 dropback EPA allowed to opponents in man coverage, which is where Stroud struggles most. Also, Ravens league high 60 sacks, so not necessarily a high blitz rate or pressure rate, but they generate sacks. And Mike McDonald is one of the more creative defensive coordinators around. So Ravens off two weeks of prep. I think the defense sets up really well against Stroud in these conditions. And then Lamar Jackson typically would have a favorable matchup against a zone defense, which is what the Houston Texans present under D'Amico Ryans, allowing the eighth highest explosive play rate in the NFL through the air. But because of the conditions, I would expect Baltimore to maybe run more often than they normally would against a defense like this. Week one, toss out those results from Baltimore's offensive statistical output just because they were kind of getting used to Todd Munkin's scheme in their own right. But the Ravens had the fifth slowest adjusted pace in the NFL, so correlating with the under as well. Mo, any bets for you on Texans-Ravens? Potentially, not at this moment. I am definitely interested in the over at this point. I mean, it keeps dropping. I want to see if it continues to drop. Drops any lower, I'm probably going to have the over. I'd probably play the Texans at 10 as well. We'll see if that number appears, but I do share your concerns. I mean, it's an offense that's down to a couple of above par playmakers. I'm really worried what that's going to look like against a sharp Ravens defensive brain trust that I, you know, you have to respect. Cause like I said, I don't, I'm not that impressed with this defensive roster. I think the coaching has, has done a really good job there. So, uh, yeah, nothing for me yet on the cider total. I do like Lamar Jackson under 53 and a half was the number I got. I believe it's 52 and a half now. I still think that's fine. His rushing prop. I think it sets up well for him to go under in this game for a lot of factors. Like you already brought one up. Texans playing a ton of zone. Should be eyes on the quarterback pretty much all the time here. Uh, they were eighth most in zone rate, I believe near the end of the season. Not sure how that carried over for the, for the last couple of weeks, but probably didn't change that much. Um, they, for the most part, did a fine job limiting opposing quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson was really the only one who got off on them. I mean, I think it's more understandable when it's a quarterback, you have nothing scouting wise for pretty much in that spot, his second career start. Um, they did limit Kyler Murray. They did limit Lamar Jackson the first time they faced him. I think he ran for 35 yards only in that game. <clears throat> the Texans have fast linebackers. I mean, Cashman and Christian Harris are both like 4-4, four, 4-5 four, four, guys. They <clears throat> should be able to chase him down in the intermediate area, and I don't really expect Lamar to really push it with his legs that much. I know it's a playoff game, but they are nine and a half point favorites. I mean, if that line holds any water here, then I do, I do like under his rushing total. And I did play that he, he went under that, uh, <clears throat> quite a bit, especially in the late half of the season. Uh, like you said, when they started leaning more and more into their passing game. So, uh, it, it's a decent bet, I think. Yeah. Like your look for sure. And we'll have some more props later on from our guest, Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus, joining us after we break down our bets on the four divisional round games. On to Packers, Niners, San Francisco, nine and a half point favorite. Don't think this number is going to climb back to 10. I don't know if you have a different 
take on that. We've seen a dip in Green Bay's direction over the course of the week. Total anywhere between 49 and a half and 50 and a half, but pretty much 50 and a half across the board. Even some 51s starting to pop before Pro Money came in. I think it's Pro Money on the under, at least as of Wednesday. And I'm probably not going to have any bets on the side or total, Mo. Anything for you, whether it's those major markets or props for this game? Uh, looking at props as well in this game, too. Uh, think the side is right. Think the total, I do lean under here. Mainly because I think the 49ers are going to run the ball a ton and do it very well. So I'm guessing the clock is going to be churning. But, I mean, it is really hard to ignore how strong Green Bay looked in the last couple of games, though. I, I will say that. I, I mean, you just look at these numbers, and they're pretty sick. I mean, 7.7 yards per play uh, is what they got versus the Cowboys. 7.2 versus Chicago. I mean, are these world-beating defenses? No, but they're solid defenses. I mean, they're respectable defenses. And the Packers literally just did whatever they wanted in those games. I mean, this this 9.5 line could look crazy if the Packers <clears throat> can, can keep doing stuff like that. I, I think if you want to play the Packers, you should – probably play some alts here like because if they play like that that then they're gonna they could win the game you know Packers plus three Packers plus three and a half stuff like that looks pretty good to me <clears throat> that being said I, I do think the 49ers are gonna just kind of thrash them with rushing the ball that that makes me wonder about some props for sure um Brock Purdy under 30 and a half passing attempts I like that one uh I think, like I said, should be a lot of rushing. Could be bad weather uh, as well. It's a number he only went over twice all year. Like, I know that there's a lot of blowouts in there, but I, I mean, the line is still nine and a half in this game. So that's like pretty much where they were at in a lot of these games that they played in the regular season. So the weather also had tip to Disciple31, I think, in our Discord. He was saying that he reminded me that. Purdy really struggled with the wet ball in the Cleveland game. Like he had a couple of flubs where the he couldn't hang on to it in a couple of spots. So that might make them even more lean into the run. I'm sure if we know that, their staff knows that. Yeah. So that could be a factor as well. I do want to also throw out one more thing uh, we talked about a little bit, which is I wondered if the Packers could live in 12 again and attack this team on the ground like they did against the Cowboys. Uh, we did find a tweet from John Daigle, Daigle. I don't know how to pronounce his Daigle. name, but yeah, he dug up the metrics on 49ers facing 12 personnel and they were top five versus the run, the pass and overall. So probably gonna have to come with something different. So definitely consider that in your, your prop handicapping, like could be fewer snaps for tight ends, uh, Musgrave, Kraft, whatever you want to look at there. Maybe more for receivers here. Something to think about for sure. Yeah, good nugget on the San Francisco defensive matchup against Jordan Love. Also to that point, you brought up, I guess juxtaposed to Love, you brought up pretty struggles against the Browns in man coverage in poor conditions. Probably a little windier in that game against Cleveland, but the Browns, for some reason, played a lot of zone last week against the Texans. They're more of a man-to-man -man defense overall. So just odd how they game plan against Stroud, considering Stroud has torn up zones, maybe trying to switch things up a little bit from that Week 16 matchup. But 
it definitely backfired if you're looking at coverage rate and just coverage scheme overall. But Purdy has had a lot of success against zone defenses. When you look at EPA per dropback, top-ranked quarterback against zones. So I'll mention who's number two on that list in a bit. A bit of a tease that includes one of these quarterbacks in the latter two Sunday games. But anytime touchdown prop that I'm looking at, Mo, weather maybe playing a little bit of a factor and it's dipped over the course of the week. But Christian Watson, anytime touchdown plus 275. First off, no real limitations. It seemed like in that Cowboys game, only had one catch for nine yards. But I thought that was more of a product of Dan Quinn doubling him a lot. If you look at some of the completions Love made, he, being Watson, had a safety over the top in his coverage route pretty much almost every snap or almost every route run. And that allowed Romeo Dobbs to just get a ton of the space, ton of space over the middle, even on that Musgrave touchdown, I want to say. Watson was double or even triple team. So the Cowboys tried to make up for the fact that they got burned by Watson the previous season with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. And that didn't work out too well for that Cowboys defense and Mike McCarthy overall. But like we said, Jerry Jones, bring him back what is old and what is new. Well, the Cowboys will continue to lose in the playoffs. But Watson plus 275, worth a look for me anytime touchdown. In a game script that should be fairly negative unless we're wrong and the market is wrong that the Packers wind up having a positive game script. Maybe your alt spread with Green Bay is correct. But as nine and a half point dogs, considering I'm not gearing towards the Packers, if Watson and Shanahan's defensive scheme or the 49ers defensive scheme under Steve Wilkes doesn't decide to double Watson as much as the Cowboys did, then plus 275 is worth a look. Jaden Reed didn't get a catch in that game either, but you look at his anytime touchdown price, plus 200. So considering you're getting a little more of value with Watson per se, even though his number is dipped over the course of the week, a little bit of a look for me on anytime touchdown if I fire anything in this game. Yeah, I actually looked up Reed's yardage as well. I don't think the market has come off him at all, to be honest. I was wondering if buying low there might be good, but I didn't see anything that caught my eye. But the Watson thing makes sense uh, for sure, because I would guess he's more of a factor. I mean, same for Reed, but the market already reflects that for Reed for sure. So I didn't dig too much into Watson's numbers. But yeah, targeting some of these Green Bay wideouts, like I said, with maybe less tight ends on the field, in a game where they're expected to be down, I think could be good. But somebody that is going to have Charvarius Ward on them, though, and he is very good, longtime chief, love that guy, he can play. And he had another strong season this year. So somebody is going to be facing him, and that's probably not going to go that well for them. But I would anticipate it is going to be one of the outside receivers. It could be Dobbs after he had such a big game last week. And looking at a secondary that has struggled a lot this season, and a rival of Green Bay, the Detroit Lions, six and a half point home favorites. First Sunday divisional round playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, total of 48 and a half. And only spread bet for me in the divisional round is Bucks plus six and a half. Bet this on Tuesday. I got Bucks plus six minus 105. So I didn't get the hook, but under the key number of seven and with a little less juice, I was. Happy to grab Bucks at six. Could have waited on Bucks plus six and a half, but there she goes with closing line value. Hopefully, got some closing value on the Ravens. Texans total, unless you wind up driving it back up, Mo, with the over. But I made this line closer to lines minus four. 
you probably are maybe gearing towards Lions minus five, but still I show value in Tampa Bay. And if you look at this Lions offense and it's kind of going to notice that they struggled for two and a half quarters against the Rams after three straight touchdown drives in the wild card round, only a field goal the rest of the way and largely outplayed when you look at yards per play. I know Goff was pretty efficient in the air, but you look at his completion percentage against pressure, no completions against the Rams, 0 for 5, small sample size, but it is surprising. And he also had that flub where he tossed it backwards and easily could have been a turnover that cost Detroit. I don't necessarily know if they got points on that drive, but didn't wind up costing the Lions. That sort of play could definitely cost them against Tampa Bay. But you look at his efficiency or inefficiency against pressure this season, 28th ranked pressure catchable pass rate this season, right around 45.7%. So he struggled against pressure. Now I know Todd Bowles and Brian Flores, both very creative defensive coordinators. Golf had success against Brian Flores, the Vikings defensive coordinator in their both of their two games, not just the first one where the Lions won the division, but in the finale as well, where the Lions played all their offensive starters for some odd reason. But the Vikings run defense is vulnerable. The Bucks shirt up their run defense over the course of the season. Top 10, at the very least, run defense overall when it comes to EPA per carry allowed. I think actually top five. And then Bucks secondary, you look at a healthy Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, Shaq Barrett. All those guys are very important to Tampa Bay being able to limit a very explosive Lions passing offense, especially in play action, which goes back to my point about them being able to stop the run. But Dean against St. Brown, Davis against St. Brown. I know Devonta Smith had a huge game against the Bucs secondary, but that was largely off one play or maybe a couple plays where Winfield got lost in coverage. I'm not saying Goff won't be able to do anything through the air. The Lions should be able to get theirs. That's why a lot of pro money came in on the over in this game. But I like the Bucs defensive matchup if they can stop the run and limit Goff's success in play action and generate pressure off of that. And then on the flip side of the ball, I mentioned quarterbacks against zone coverage. Lions rely on zone much more than man, or maybe not to the nth degree like the Ravens, but still a pretty decent amount. And Baker Mayfield's second most EPA per dropback against zone coverage this season behind Purdy, like I mentioned in the 49ers Packers handicap. You go back to that week six game. I know you were on Tampa Mo. Bucks closed plus three. So Lions, a field goal favorite on the road. Lions were without some key pieces, but Mayfield missed a ton of wide open throws in that game. So explosive plays should be there. If you like maybe Chris Godwin a little more when it comes to player props, because he won't be matched up against Cam Sutton. Then again, Cam Sutton against Mike Evans. Cam Sutton isn't the best coverage corner to begin with. The guy who I wouldn't target is Trey Palmer going up against Brian Branch. But either way, I expect a lot of explosive passing plays for the Bucs to keep this game within six. Did you end up firing Tampa Bay with me? Not yet, uh, but I probably will. Uh, I'm waiting to see if the seven comes up. I mean, it's just like, I feel like the value of getting seven is so much higher than missing six and a half and end up ending up with six. Like I'd probably just still bet a, a small bet at six or I, I might just start with a small bet at six and a half and then see what happens. Add more at seven. If seven comes up, I do like the bucks. Uh, I, I do think that I was the high man on the lions late in the season. It seemed like, but I, I do think this line is a bit too high. 
less concerned overall for both sides about the coverage, to be honest, and more about the pressure rate. It's two quarterbacks that we've seen can really implode under pressure and just make really big time negative plays. Um, I think the big issue with the Bucks is that they love to blitz, but they're not all that great at it. We saw it work though to an extreme degree against the Eagles. Like it's pretty surprising because the Eagles have a strong offensive line too. I'm guessing they blitzed plenty in that other game. I don't remember it specifically. I did watch a lot of it because like you said, I had the Bucks. Nice CLV for me at three and a half and probably shouldn't have even been within 14, to be honest. <laughs> like they got crushed. Yeah, um, but missed explosive passing plays. Easy. I mean, those were, whether it was Mike Evans with a fingertip and he dropped one against the Eagles too on Monday night, but those plays will definitely be there, especially in a dome, you would think. Yeah, I think the blitzing is just like the big thing here. And the blitzes just like didn't get home last time. And when you don't get home blitzing Jared Goff, he's just going to destroy you because there's going to be guys open. Like this is a good group of skill players. So they're going to feast on you at that point. And speaking of feasting, like you said, I, I Mike Evans is in a premium matchup here against Cam Sutton. That guy got smoked by Puka last week to an extreme degree. And then you have Mike Evans here with a total of 68 and a half versus these outside corners. I know it's going to be like a pretty obvious fish play, but I, I still like the over, man. I, I think that number is a little bit too low. Um, it, it is interesting looking at both of these quarterbacks, how they're going to deal with this pressure. You have one quarterback, like I said, in Jared Goff is going to face a ton of blitzes here. We know Todd Bowles loves to blitz. The other side, you have Baker Mayfield, who is going to face, I think, some inside pressure from Alim McNeil here. I, I think the weak point of this Tampa Bay line has kind of been the interior at times. Absolutely. So you do see Baker Mayfield fold up in those spots sometimes. He took some really ugly sacks against Philly where he just kind of turtled in spots where he really didn't need to. I don't know. It, it seems like because of both of these quarterbacks, they can make huge plays, but they can also make horrific plays. I, I'm just seeing like a really wide range of outcomes in this game for sure. I think if you bet Tampa Bay, you definitely need to mix in a good amount of money line because they're going to probably win the game a decent chunk of the time that they cover. Yeah. And going back, you just brought up, generally speaking, Mayfield's proneness to maybe making some mistakes like I brought up and you brought up with Goff, but you look at the last couple of weeks of the season, 4.8 yards per attempt. Just anybody targeting that number and maybe trying to play Mayfield unders and Lions alt spread potentially dealing with an ankle and a rib injury during both of those games, Saints and Panthers. That was a part of my handicap with betting Carolina. Panthers probably got unlucky. So the Bucs were kind of lucky to win the division in the first place, but looked healthier against the Eagles to say the least, despite taking some of those sacks. I was curious how he was going to perform after that one, I think right before the half, but wound up with an efficient game. And I don't think that was a product of just grinding through the rib injury. He looked good. And this is a very vulnerable line secondary as we both touched on. Also the Bucks should be pass heavy, which maybe was an issue with backing the Bucks earlier in the year, 75% neutral game pass rate against the Eagles with how much Tampa Bay relied on their ground game. We talked about that a ton on beat the closing number throughout the season. A good sign if you're looking to back the Bucks 
against the spread or on the money line. To that reporter who asked Todd Bowles what the game plan is for golf and outdoor elements, you don't need to ask a question. You could just take notes in the press conference and go from there. Like trying to force one when you don't know where the game is being played. It's indoors. Come on, man. Did you see that? I did. I I had somebody ask me if that person would like lose their job over that. I said, absolutely no no chance. I was like, you get in this business and you do stuff like we do, like that reporter does, like we do. You're going to say silly things every now and then when your brain glitches or whatever it may be. (laughs) We've all done it. And you just have to like be able to laugh it off and move on. So yeah, it's not that huge of a deal. It's just a silly moment and you know, whatever, you just move on from it. Last game to handicap, best on the board. Chiefs at Bills. It's juiced in Buffalo's direction. Minus two and a half, minus 120, minus three, minus 105. Depending on where you're shopping, you'll see both numbers, I'm sure. Total of between 46, 45 and a half or reverse, I guess. By the way, I saw this trend. Sean Hockley officiating Bills Chiefs on Sunday night. Kansas City, 8-2 and two in the Mahomes era. Patrick Mahomes. This per Rob Bazola, great point. 74-22 and 22 straight up in his career. So I don't know how much Hockley officiating a game really matters. And you're going to see that trend from anybody that likes to throw out ref trends. But I doubt that's a part of your handicap. No, no like Rich Ryan said on Twitter, these guys got to go. Like that, that is literally meaningless. Cause like, yeah, like you said, it, it's two percentage points of difference. So literally no difference. So looking at things that are more important than Sean hockey, Lee Transmo point spread bills, minus two and a half juiced minus minus one twenty ish threes out there as well. So laying a flat field goal at minus one Oh five total anywhere between 45 and a half. I think that's the consensus, but there still are some 46 is juiced towards the under now. I've seen this sentiment out there from pro betters, and we've seen Buffalo get bet up since Sunday. Maybe not, it hasn't gotten to three and a half, but still inching towards the three at three at some books. It's probably split in that regard towards the point spread. But to you, is this more of the notion that the market, I mean, we've seen it year over year with the Bills and Josh Allen. Pro betters have come in heavily on thinking Josh Allen is the next great NFL quarterback to get over the hump. And that sentiment was certainly there for you and others who bet the bills at long shot numbers to win the Super Bowl. So it's not like we're saying you bet Buffalo at plus 900. You bet them at 50 to one considering it was a buy low point, which it definitely was. They ripped off five straight to end the regular season and not only made it through a wild card spot, but won the AFC East outright. So what's your perspective on the betting market for this game and the market's interest in Josh Allen that finally break through and win a Super Bowl and handicapping Chiefs bills overall. Yeah, it's no easy short way to answer this because I think it's pretty nuanced. Um, I see a lot of people on both sides of the Allen thing. I see people that don't really believe that much in him. The high profile mistakes, obviously, and the ugly performance last year against Cincinnati. and just in general, not having been able to break through despite having some really strong teams. But I think a little more so on the side you're saying where there's a lot of people that are really dialed into the NFL that have really believed in the bills the last few years, uh, tried to 
buy low maybe coming into this year after I believe they were the Super Bowl favorites the prior year. So I don't think a lot of sharp people had a lot of interest at that price, which was kind of crazy, I thought. I mean, I knew the Bills had a strong team, but plus 500 and being above the Chiefs was insane to me. But yeah, I, I think people on both sides, and you see that with the line move, to be honest, like you said, did reach three, gets hit hard. Down to two and a half. A lot of the market was split a few days ago. You could find three. You could find two and a half. So you could find the good number no matter which side you liked. Right now, it seems like the Chiefs money is winning out a bit. I'm seeing, I I saw earlier it was down to just one juiced three left on the market. So seems like a little more lean to the Chiefs out there, but I get why because not only are the Chiefs healthier, but a pretty big rest advantage, but you it's kind of gross, to be honest. I, I kind of get why the conspiracy uh, league wants Mahomes. People like to sound off at times. Like maybe the penalty thing is definitely overblown. I made fun of you for that multiple times, but nobody should have a two-day rest advantage right now. The, the Monday game stinks. Get out of here, Goodell. <laughs> get out of here, Goodell, in general, but I'm with you on the... Monday game and we got two Monday games because of the storm. Yeah. And that's just, it's a huge benefit to the chiefs. I mean, I talked about this before, but you have Andy Reed legendary work with extra time to prepare a staff that is, I think overall stronger than what the bills have by a decent amount. I mean, Andy is just a more accomplished, better coach than Sean McDermott. And they have Steve Spagnola, one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. So it's a pretty big edge for the Chiefs to have that two extra days. And and like I said, a pretty rough situation for the Bills. I mean, this injury list is so long. I'm not going to say it's for sure the longest of any team here, but I think it is. It's got to be the longest for DNPs for sure. Obviously, they lost Matt Milano early in the year, but I, I just you add to that these other injuries, and it's like, I don't know how they're going to cover the middle of the field in this game. I mean, Teron Johnson, who is like one of my favorite slot corners, he's banged up at best. It sounds like he's going to try to go, but it's not like really up to him. It's kind of up to whether he passes concussion protocol. So that's maybe out of his hands. And then multiple linebackers as well. Well, and Christian Benford on that corner and then also multiple linebackers. Some of these guys I'm not really even that familiar with because they were backups themselves. Uh, I think they might be down to like a fourth stringer in one spot. Something called Spectre got hurt. I'm seeing he was a backup to a backup. I mean, this could be pretty rough. And that's kind of why I like Travis Kelsey over in this game. Steven, our boss, hit that at 60 and a half. I think there's still one 60 and a half. Everyone else has moved to 63 and a half, but I think FanDuel still had a 60 and a half. I'm I'm with him here. I, Kelsey got 10 targets last time these teams played. He has feasted on the Bills in the past, and that's with Matt Milano, who is an ace coverage linebacker. He got 10 targets last week against Miami, despite a pretty poor performance. Like With the other targets on this team, you just know no matter what happens, Patrick Mahomes is going to keep going back to him because it's not like he has better options. So even diminished Travis Kelsey is one of the best options he's going to have. I think he's probably going to get 10 targets again in this game. I mean, 
you have a Chiefs team that's really leaning into the pass. I mean, they have been among the pass heaviest teams all year. And then last week, even in a game they really comfortably won, not that I'm salty about Patrick Mahomes not going over his completions without a completion for the last like literally 19 minutes of game time or something. Um, he, they threw 41 passes and a really comfortable victory in that spot where you would expect more rushing. I mean, Travis Kelsey still has, he still has eight yards per target this year, despite everything. So if he gets 10 targets, I mean, he's going to be a pretty big favorite to go over this number, I think. So that, that's one way I think you can approach this one. Another prop I'm interested in, Josh Allen under 32 and a half attempts. Since the Dallas game, he's only gone over this number once. I know that sounds like an arbitrary endpoint, and it kind of is, but it's also like when they changed up their offensive strategy, more rush heavy. I think they're going to be rush heavy again here in a spot where, like we've talked about, the Chiefs are much more vulnerable on the ground. And you have Gabe Davis out. I just don't see a lot of passing volume. I, I don't see where the passing volume goes in this game. So that just makes me think there's not going to be a lot of passing volume. Chiefs great against tight ends. Chiefs great against wide receiver ones. That's Diggs. That's Kincaid. I, I just think there's going to be a lot of rushing in this game. And, and I think both teams are going to have some long drives. You, you have the two best third down quarterbacks in the game here. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. I think we could see some long drives here. E even if there's a lot of offense, it could look similar to that Packers game where that Chiefs-Packers game, like there was a lot, both teams were scoring, but both teams were taking their time scoring. Going back to your point about, I mean, you brought up a bunch of great points. Good addition to beat the closing number, to say the least. And good time of the year to have one. Not that we haven't, because we've been winning bats, but you get my point. Chiefs script, I know you brought up Mahomes in his performance against Miami. Considering the elements, the efficiency was off the charts. But drops A have been an issue. I'm not trying to hit the hammer on the head, but you get my point, especially with Travis Kelsey. And if Travis Kelsey goes off, like you think, we're going to see a lot of Taylor Swift. So the Swifties are going to be happy and the rest of X is not. I'm indifferent. I don't really care. At least it's not Peacock where we have people complaining about that too. But that Dolphin secondary was completely decimated. And it's not to say that Buffalo won't be to an extent, but... Razul Douglas practicing in limited fashion. It makes me think he's going to play. And if he's he shadowing, said he's going. So right. he said he could have played last week if, if they really needed him to. At least that's what I thought was going on with some of those Bills injuries. Teron Johnson, we'll see. But if he shadows Rice or to any extent, because we touched on that towards the latter part of the season. The Bills past defense ranked, I think, top two, top three in EPA per drop back allowed from week 14 onward. So regular season alone ahead of that Dolphins game. And a large part of that was because they had a reliable cornerback in Rasul Douglas and the Packers late season improvement, despite the NFC being weaker than the AFC is impressive in their own right, considering they traded Douglas ahead of the deadline to the bills. But I'm a little concerned about the chiefs maybe being exploited with their lack of receivers or lack of competence slash reliable receivers another good word to use against a healthier bill secondary than last week and healthier than the dolphins for that matter but the prop that I actually bet on this game is on the other side of the ball i this is going to make you happy because he's one of your guys i took legerious sneed over tackles and this line is at five and a half at bet mgm under his juice 
at minus 165. So it's been that up from four and a half. You could still get a good number or at least a good price on the over five and a half, but likely shadowing Stefan Diggs. Diggs runs a lot of intermediate routes. At least that's what we saw last week against Pittsburgh, really exploiting the Steelers zone coverage. So in a similar ish script, you mentioned slow pace. I think the opportunities will be there for Steve to get tackles. We saw it against Buffalo the last time around seven tackles, I believe. And that week 14 loss for Kansas City because of Kadarius Tony. We'll see if Tony has another offside that impacts this game. But it, it's not like he's shadowing Tyree Kill. And it, he wasn't shadowing Tyree Kill for the most part last week. But Hill being an explosive threat, Diggs doesn't necessarily run a lot of deep routes every single possession, every single snap, 20-plus yards down the field. And also Snead is pretty good in the run game. So opportunities in that regard too. Any thoughts on my prop? Uh, no, not really. Uh, tackle props, not my forte over the years. I haven't really gotten too into handicapping them. I, I do think Snead is a great player in run support as well. So yeah, that helps you quite a bit for sure. I, I think playing close to the line of scrimmage is a big deal here. So it probably, I think one thing that could help or hurt you is whether Gabe Davis plays. I think if he plays, that helps you just because I, I think Diggs is more likely to be running shorter routes where if he's out, they might need him to be more of a deep threat at times. And like you said, that usually results in more hit or miss plays where it's either going to be chunk gains or nothing. One way or the other, we'll see if my first tackle prop bet of the season catches. I'm not a big prop guy, but that one stood out to me just digging into the potential script and we're in agreement. I have maybe a little bit of a lean that Davis plays just considering what's at stake. And I know he didn't participate in Thursday's practice, but we've seen it done before where guys don't even practice and just with everything on the line, wind up playing. I'm not saying that as a general sentiment, but I think we both agree, generally speaking with situations like this. So that's going to wrap it up for our divisional round breakdown. I have a Sneed bet in Chiefs Bills. What are your final bets in the finale on Sunday night? I've got the Allen prop in there. I don't have my Kelsey bet locked in. I have to drive over to Iowa to get that one in um, <laughs> because that one I did not look at early in the week. When I, Early in the week, I, I looked at the Allen one. So I didn't lock in that I really wanted the Kelsey bet until now. So I'm, I'm going to go get that one in. And I think I'm going to have some Chiefs as well, mostly because of my futures on the Bills, but mostly in that sense because I do think the Chiefs are the side. But money line is probably a bit better. I might try to be greedy and take two and a half and see if there's ever a Bills 27-26 win or something. I, I don't know yet, but probably Chiefs in some sense. All right, and then Bucks Lions, we're both looking, or I already bet Bucks plus six, six and a half. You uh, maybe on, or maybe looking live at Tampa Bay, right? Yeah, I, I'll have the Bucks in some sense. I'm pretty sure I, I do like the Bucks, and I'm probably going to have some Mike Evans overs in some form or fashion. And we'll discuss Mike Evans receiving yards props in a bit. A little bit of a tease there. Packers 49ers, no play for me. Just a look to Watson anytime touchdown. I don't know if I can get there with the resurgence, I guess, with his odds being bet down 
So some market love towards Watson, but I mean, you can't get down much on props anyway. So don't know how much really that's like market sentiment or sharp betters, but either way, the number's been driven down. What's your final bets in Packers 49ers or what are your final bets? I think it's just going to be Brock Purdy under 30 and a half attempts. I do okay. like that one quite a bit and that's probably about it. And just really excited for that game as a fan, for sure. Uh, 49ers are just as much as I hate them at times because they win by 30. Every time I try to fade them, their offense is a joy to watch. So uh, yeah, very excited to watch them play a very hot Packers team. And then under for me, we try to get a 44, maybe a stray one or two out there under 44 and Texans Ravens or you attack it live. I wrote about that. My column is up over at thelines.com. You can find our final bets in our Discord channel if we add anything as well. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. And Mo's weather column and a bunch of other NFL divisional round playoff betting previews are up over at thelines.com as well. You took Jackson under rushing yards, correct? I did. I did. I got 53 and a half, and it's down a bit, but I still think it's fine. Now it's time to be joined by Brad Spielberger. You can follow him on X at PFF underscore Brad. Salary cap analyst over at Pro Football Focus also does his own NFL betting podcast. So really excited to have him on and break down all of these games. The best, would you consider this, Brad, the best football weekend of the year? Mo and I were going back and forth with the naysayers that are kind of trying to go glass half empty on this slate. I actually think the divisional round is my favorite weekend of the year. I think you get the best football teams, and I think this is a good slate. I know teams like Tampa maybe made it through that we didn't expect, but playing good football at the right time, uh, winning the weakest division in, in the NFL this year. But, yes, long answer short, uh, I agree. I think this is the best year of the calendar. With you. Completely with you. <laughs> the extra volume. I know that there's better games in conference title, but we get some extra volume here. So we, we like it, too. We're with you. One of the games, obviously, to get us started, Ravens-Texans, huge spread, um, somewhat understandable given how good the Ravens have been and the Texans being relative neophytes to this spot. So uh, one thing uh, we are looking at here is Gus Edwards, pretty high rushing total, 51 and a half. Uh, what do you make of that one? Yep, I think it's a really high number. I know they released Melvin Gordon uh, this past week. Maybe some people are thinking that's a factor here, or maybe the spread, and they're looking into game script and thinking you'll get some Gus Edwards bleeding out the clock. But that's just not how I see Baltimore playing this game offensively, at least early on. I think this is a pass funnel against Houston right now. They're a great run defense. They are not a particularly great coverage unit. Um, and then I just don't know if Gus Edwards is going to be that guy. Do we get some Dalvin Cook? Um, 13 and a half attempts and 51 and a half yards for Gus Edwards is well above his you know averages the last six to eight weeks as well. So um, the last piece there, the Texans are great defending runs off the edge outside of the tackles. Uh, they struggle more in the middle. The Ravens have the most rushing attempts in the NFL outside the tackles and the fewest in the NFL between the tackles. So I just I love the matchup there. I'm thinking under on Gus Edwards. On to the second game on Saturday, 49ers-Packers. Dallas didn't necessarily exploit this, or at least enough from the get-go, and obviously negative variance or just Prescott being Prescott in the playoffs went their direction too with those two interceptions on their first four drives, so getting down early and then some against Green Bay. But curious your perspective on, A, the weather and how that's going to play towards the script for both San Francisco and Green Bay offensively. And then a player you may be targeting, when I mentioned 
tight ends against the Green Bay Packers. George Kittle, his receiving yards prop, sitting at 52.5 over at BetMGM. Yeah, you know, I don't think the weather's a huge factor. Uh, I think there is going to be obviously a lean on the run game here for both teams. You, you quietly can run on the Niners uh, pretty effectively this year compared to past years. Uh, and so I, the, the downfield passing is, of course, a big part of both. It's funny to say that, but uh, Jordan Love and Brock Purdy have both been as good throwing 20-plus yards downfield as any quarterback in the NFL. But, yeah, I don't think it's a huge, huge factor there. And, and I do love George Kittle here. We, we have the Packers as the lowest graded coverage unit against tight ends. They're bottom five in receptions a lot receiving yards allowed and even if you uh, with tight end props especially in today's nfl you got to look at the schedule and be like there's only six good tight ends in the league or so so is this skewed by who they've played not really they've gotten some of course some laporta some tj hawkinson but even if you adjust for matchup i still think they're a comfortably bottom five unit covering that position uh, i like george kittle alt in particular here i think 70 plus is plus 320 um i think he's gonna have a big day sticking with the theme of tight ends and player props we did see Sam Laporta come back uh, last week. I, I didn't see what his snap share was like. I did see that he only had a few catches, although one of them was obviously a big one for a touchdown. Um, do you think he's bouncing back, or do you think he's still going to be like limited and more of like a, a peripheral factor of this offense this week uh, against the Bucks, which do have some strong coverage linebackers like? Levante David. Yeah, they do. It's a great shout. But I think you touched on the one piece that I love here is that I think people are looking at this past game, small box score numbers. They knew he was injured coming in. He ran routes on 24 of the 30 dropbacks for Detroit. So he was out there. He was in the passing game, just didn't get a ton of targets. Um, like you said, had the big touchdown catch, but wasn't a volume guy. I think it's a good buy low spot. Maybe don't go alts here, maybe just more normal spreads or a, a slight alt to get plus money. But it, it, the, the Buccaneers have allowed a bottom five, pretty much every stat you look at, success rate, EPA per drop back and then the traditional stuff um, against players lined up in line and, and Laporta I know he's kind of a big slot he lines up a ton in line um, it's part of their blocking scheme it's usually where he is you mentioned Levante David he is great De Devin White might be the worst coverage linebacker in the NFL so uh, you know you, you get one or the other <laughs> yeah I will say also with those box linebackers to your point about Devin White I think he split snaps at his position for the first time in a while last week against the Eagles. So not necessarily saying that Laporta won't have a big day or isn't a buy low candidate. I like your look also 75 plus receiving yards at plus 450, but more just to shout towards Todd Bowles and the Bucks defense who schemed things up really well. And then some against a Eagles team that imploded and then some in their own right down the stretch, but sticking in this game on the other side of the ball, looking at the Lions defensive matchup against the Bucs. Mo and I handicapped Tampa Bay and Detroit. I'm on Bucs plus six and a half. Mo leaning towards that side as well. But we both see favorable matchups for pretty much any Bucks receiver that isn't going up against Brian Branch. And looking at Mike Evans in particular, his receiving yards prop has been bet up from, I think, 64 and a half all the way up to 69 and a half over at BetMGM. And I'm assuming you're looking towards the over. 
So first of all, I'm with you guys in the spread. I do think it's too many points. I think it's a weird – the look-ahead line was six points or six and a half depending on the book. The Rams averaged 10 yards per attempt through the air and couldn't score in the red zone, could not finish drives. I'm not going to say they should have won the game, but they certainly could have, uh, whereas the Bucks, obviously, like you said, I mean, I know the Eagles team was floundering, but they demolished them from start to finish. So uh, I do love Mike Evans here, and I'm thinking alts for sure, like 100-plus, 120-plus. Like, go crazy on that one. Um, the biggest thing for me first here is Dave Canales, the offensive coordinator, led the NFL for most of the season in run-run pass rate. He was not a pass-heavy guy. You look at the last month, and even just this Philly game, hit a 75% pass rate on early downs against the Eagles. He's pivoted there. I think he's going to continue to do that. Um, I think the, the protection will hold up fairly well. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson is a problem, um, but a good tackle duo uh, in, in Tampa. So, yeah, Mike Evans is going to get downfield. The Lions have bled explosive receptions as much as any team in the league. Uh, I love Mike Evans' matchup. I mean, Cam Sutton's the number one corner. He's like 5'10", you know, 185 pounds. So good luck to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that play as well. I, I just it, – it's a rough matchup for Sutton and and – the Rams were getting downfield plays at will. And, and I guess like that kind of these overs kind of must mean you are leaning to the over in the game as well, since you're expecting uh, both passing games to have success. It does seem like the number might be moving up a little bit. I think I saw a 49 or a 49 and a half today, and I, it had been sitting 48 and a half basically all week. That was my favorite total early in the week was the 48 and a half. I think some people are also looking at the 20 to six, you know, score the, t the first time these teams played, which I want to say was week two or week three. Um, I I'm throwing that out. I mentioned Dave Canales is a new coordinator at this point, you know, approaching things differently. You have Jamison Williams, who's actually a, a, you know, a variable and a part of this offense. So yeah, for a bunch of different reasons, I'm not taking a ton from that first matchup. We're in a dome. Um, and I just, I, I do, I like both offenses for sure in this one. On to the finale of the divisional round slate, Bills and Chiefs. And starting off with props, Josh Allen, Mo made, brought up the point on the first edition of Beat the Closing Number this week that he expects Allen to be the guy for Buffalo on the ground. Not saying that James Cook won't have an efficient day in his own right, but he was kind of looking towards Allen props himself. And looking at Allen right now on BetMGM, over under nine and a half rushing attempts, even money towards the over. So it's been bet up a little bit depending on where you're looking, but how are you expecting Buffalo to play this script wise and just personnel wise, who has the math advantage against this chief's defense on the ground? Yeah, so the Chiefs actually are not a particularly great run defense, um, you know, whether it's a running a quarterback or running back carrying the football. But I also think you look at just the usage of Josh Allen. I know this is a bit more anecdotal, narrative-driven, but he's he's willing to take off way more often in bigger games. He's been trying not to be Josh Allen, you know, in, in Week 10 so much against, like, the, you know, whatever bad opponent they're playing. But come playoff time or come some high-leverage moments, he is absolutely trying to take off. And, and I think the 8.5 is what I had yesterday – I'd rather get, honestly, 9.5 and, and get better price. I think it was minus 125 or minus 130 on the 8.5. I think you're going to see a lot of that. I, I really, really do. Um, you know, I think the Chiefs and Spagnuolo are going to bring a ton of pressure. Um, maybe not a ton because you don't want to blitz Josh Allen. But the big thing <laughs> here is they play a ton of man coverage, and I think their DBs are going to be in trail technique not facing Josh Allen. And if he does take off, he's going to get more yards when he takes off, as opposed to, you know, zone defenses, they see it, they're watching you with their eyes the whole time, and they crash and don't let you give up as many yards. So so you saw against Pittsburgh. That's why he scored that touchdown. No one was looking at him, uh, and, and he just kind of danced in for, what, a 60-yard touchdown. So um, I, I love Josh Allen rushing props in this game. 
He also gave him a little fake slide juke <laughs> on that one. But to the Steelers, or I guess not credit, they did not tackle well all day long. And then losing Joey Porter late didn't help. But Bills probably were pretty much a wrap at that point. Now, I wanted to surprise Mo with this because, full disclosure, and this does not affect Mo's wagers, but Mo is a Chiefs fan, Brad. And you got to tell him which side you're looking at. Not going to give it away here. But Mo will definitely have interest one way or the other. I think a lot is being made about home road splits. And I know it's Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game. You know, I, I think a lot of it is noise when you look at home road splits, things of that nature. I, I see a team that had two extra days of rest that is healthier coming into this football game. Uh, and you can get a plus 120 on the money line. Uh, I, I'm riding with the Chiefs in this one. I, I know it's been a slog for them. I think Rasheed Rice is doing enough right now. And then you just pair that with all the injuries, in particular at linebacker and corner for Buffalo. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, when I get Patrick Mahomes plus money on a money line, I, I'm, I'm smiling every time. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I have a Bills couple Bills bets that I took Super Bowl once they started losing games. Unfortunately, I didn't get the peak numbers at like 30 and 40, 50 maybe even might have been out there. I'm not 100% sure on that one, but for sure at least up to 40. I didn't get the peak numbers, but I grabbed a couple Bills by lows. I'm thinking about hedging some off. I not a big hedge guy, but I think when I, I do like the Chiefs it's probably good to hedge some off. So I'll probably do that this week, even though I, I still get nervous for big chiefs playoff games. And I don't even want to put more money on the chiefs to make it hurt even more if they lose. But I think it's probably good here. Yeah. See, I, I'm, I'm very, I think uh, contrarian to the entire gambling uh, ecosystem. I love hedging. Uh, it sounds silly when I say that, but like, <laughs> I, I think there's this huge anti hedging sentiment. I get why you want to ride with your ticket and, and all that. But Again, you're getting plus money on, you know, Patrick Mahomes. So, like, it's I, – I wouldn't hedge if they were, you know, minus 135, laying a field goal, whatever. But I think it's also a unique opportunity to hedge as well. That makes me feel good, though. I like to hear people that are dialed in that like the Chiefs. Uh, so, switching gears a little bit to your kind of expertise, longtime listener here. Eli already stole this line from me, but longtime listener, first-time caller. Uh like like your pods uh, with PFF, so especially those are the I, I really like the topical stuff uh, you guys do a lot. So you're more of like a cap guy and stuff like that, is my understanding. So uh, tell us, looking forward to next year, obviously like no numbers at least that I'm aware of yet. So just kind of ballparking where the numbers should be in your head as far as Super Bowl odds next year. Uh, what teams do you think could be a little bit uh, underrated by the market or like teams that could maybe make some big additions that you see, or a, maybe a quarterback change that might push them into the value territory. It's a good shout. I, I think a big one for me could be if you're an Anthony Richardson believer, uh, the, the Colts have a ton of resources at their disposal. And for me, like what they need to fix is easier to find in free agency. They're good in the trenches on both sides of the football. They need to add safeties and corners. Um, and, and, and you can find that. I also like the draft class at corner in particular and, and safety to a degree. Um, yeah, so it, it is like you're, you're buying into the theory that Anthony Richardson is going to come in as a second year quarterback that missed the whole season. Uh, maybe you're a big Steichen guy, but like that jumps out to me immediately. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Shane Steichen guy. So you that, have that's to be. Out. Yeah, you have to be. You have to be. So I think that's the first name when you mention that topic. It comes right to mind. It's like you're probably getting. Like you mentioned, what are you getting, like 60, 70, 80, uh, I, I would guess, in that range. And, and I think it's probably some decent value there. 
Yeah, if the Colts don't drop a pass against the Texans, may not see that price, but it's a good point. And obviously Gardner Minshew was starting that game and it seemed like Steichen was trying to hide him throughout that game until maybe the second half when they had to open it up. Then again, Jonathan Taylor had that massive explosive run that almost flipped the game on the touchdown run that put him up for a brief moment. But Brad, on the note of Super Bowl, maybe dark horses and maybe trailing up the odds board to the contenders. We asked an odds maker before the podcast started the yes, no price or what the hypothetical yes, no price would be on the Cowboys winning a Super Bowl in the Jerry Jones era because Mike McCarthy was unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, if you're a fan of any other team in the NFC East, brought back into the fold as the Cowboys coach. He said the yes number is plus 400, no minus 500. How would you play those odds? Yeah, so the analytics here to me is is Jerry Jones is 81, but I think in billionaire years, that's like 75, right? So uh, I think you do a, a slight downward adjustment there, and you're looking at like a decade. <laughs> like, you're, can they win in a 10-year window? For, it's it's an interesting price. I, I don't know if, I, if I'm buying in there. They are a team that's not in a bad cap situation necessarily, but they're going to have to pay probably CD Lamb 30 plus million dollars. I think Micah Parsons might make 40 million dollars a year. Um, you know, the following off season. So, you know, c- can they build around that? Can they get enough talent in there? They're relying on guys this year like Brandon Cooks and and, and you know, Stefan Gilmore that aren't going to be around. I-, I like the team overall, I do, but there's some weaknesses there and, and it's just it's the Cowboys too. So, I'll, I'll take the the no I guess I won't bet the no, but I, I don't love the price there. I I appreciate the uh the bookmaker giving it to us though. Jeff is going to be coming for your money, just a heads up on that bet. But he is Brad Spielberger at PFF underscore Brad, salary cap analyst for Pro Football Focus, does a number of pods at PFF too, one of the best analysts around. And I like the Colts look for sure going into next season. We'll be on the lookout for Super Bowl odds. I mean, they pretty much come out or maybe before kick of the big game or shortly after. So if you like Brad's take on Indianapolis, be sure to check those out over at thelines.com. Really appreciate the time today, Brad, and look forward to having you back on shortly. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So it looks like you're jumping on board with Brad for not only the no Cowboys Super Bowl laying 500 with Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. I don't think that's a market available unless he decides to add it because I texted him about it. I doubt that'll be the case, but at least Colts Super Bowl futures look for you, right? I'll look at it. I don't know if I'd play it, but I'm, I I was so low on the Colts this year, so you won't find a bigger Shane Steichen stand than me, probably. I mean, <laughs> I did not think that roster had anywhere near the success in it that he was able to get out of them. So, yeah, tremendous work, and that definitely makes sense. Uh, the fact that he said they need DBs, I'm – Scared that they're going to steal Legereus Need from the Chiefs. Uh, he's going to get a lot of money, I think. So we'll see what happens there. I'm really interested to see what this Chiefs defense looks like next year, too, because potentially losing Sneed and Chris Jones could lose quite a bit of, of uh, its firepower there. So uh, always fun to look at the starting Super Bowl numbers and just, you know, obviously low limits. So don't take them. Don't put too much stock into them, but but they are fun. And Indianapolis could wind up having some major offseason additions, and we'll break down future Super Bowl odds later on. How about 
in regards to Chiefs and Bills to wrap over under amount of screen time or not maybe minutes, seconds, appearances for Taylor Swift, especially if Kelsey is a big game like you think. Screen time or appearances? You can give me both. I'll be like seven and a half on appearances. I mean, <laughs> screen time, I don't know. Uh, Romo, like, keep this seconds. in mind. <laughs> I, I, may go, I may go over if you're giving me over under 45 seconds. Anytime Romo has a Chiefs game, he loves to talk about how, up. Oh, it's not his girlfriend, it's his soon-to-be wife, or however he frames it. I think I would go over 45 seconds. I don't know, Jim. <laughs> that was good. Is that your first time doing a Robo impression? Definitely. I'm kind of impressed. Well done. On the spot. Love it, Mo. Hopefully our bets go as well as that impression, or if you didn't think the impression went well, then maybe fade our divisional round bets. But that'll do it for this edition of Beat the Closing Number. You can follow Mo on X at Mo Noir. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. You can follow the lines at the lines. US. Remember, if you're tailing or fading our bets, use promo code the lines over at BetMGM Sportsbook. One word, the lines to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. All of our bets can be found in our Discord channel for divisional round or otherwise at thelines.com Discord channel. Link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. Thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number. So long, everybody, and good luck with your divisional round bets.